So tonight we get the we get the privilege to hear from one of our board members share the word of God. You know, Tony's song, he's been with our church from day one. And, you know, throughout the years, uh, Tony is very reliable. He's very consistent and uh, a wealth of knowledge. And so um, it's such a blessing and such a privilege to hear Tony talk tonight. Um, if you get to know him, you'll, you'll find that he is a legit, legit person. And so um, can we just welcome up Tony, Tony Song, to share the word of God. <laughs> Good evening, guys. It's, uh, it's exciting to be here. Uh, I just wanted to say hello to everyone, uh, especially those people who are joining us online. My name's Tony. I'm one of the board members, and uh, I'll be taking you through the passage today while Pastor Steve's on paternity leave. Uh, before we start, let's pray together. Lord, as we study your word, we pray that it would not just become head knowledge, but that it would speak truth to us, and transform us to be like you. Would your word draw us nearer to you so that we may present ourselves as holy and ready to be used to build your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so today's message is about repentance. What is true repentance? Why do I need to repent? What for and how? As I was preparing the sermon, I was reminded of the tragic events that recently happened in the world of Christianity. Last year, a very well-known pastor of a megachurch who ministered to thousands of people and celebrities like Justin Bieber, Kanye West, the Kardashians, was caught out having an affair and was removed from his position. Another famous and extremely intelligent pastor known for being one of the greatest defenders of the Christian faith, passed away early last year. However, about two months ago, news came out that he had raped, abused, and sexually assaulted multiple women. I, like many others, was shocked and disappointed at what had, what had occurred. I initially thought, what a disaster for the church. What a disaster for the name of God. Where did these leaders go wrong? Are they, were they even Christians? I don't know. I guess we'll find out when we get to heaven. But the only conclusion that I can come to is that they failed to live a life of continual repentance. Because if we don't live a life of continual repentance, we may find ourselves in a place or position we never intended to be in. Maybe sexual immorality. Maybe something else. So let's turn today to today's passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 9 to 10. So that's 2 Corinthians chapter 7, 9 to 10. If you don't have it on your Bible, it's up there on the screen. You can follow along. Verse 9. Yet now I am happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. For you became sorrowful as God intended, and so were not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. 
but worldly sorrow brings death. So let me give you the context behind it. This passage comes from a letter that Paul writes to the church that he planted in Corinth. Paul writes four letters, and 2 Corinthians is his last letter to them. In the letter before 2 Corinthians, so the one that he sends just before, Paul sternly rebukes the church because they had been led astray by opponents. The opponents criticize and question Paul's, Paul's legitimacy, and therefore they rejected not only Paul, but the gospel as well. So after the letter, the majority of Corinthian church, of the Corinthian church, repents and turn back to the gospel and recognize Paul's authority. You know, throughout the Bible, we're commanded to repent. In the NIV translation of the Bible, the word repent or repentance is mentioned about 200 times. So as Christians, we know that it's important to repent. But why is it important? What is repentance and how do we do it? And what do I need to repent for? Well, if we look at Galatians 5, it paints a picture of what sin looks like. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So these kinds of sins are pretty obvious, aren't they? But what about other sins? You know, most of the time, um, I think I'm pretty good. And I think most people here probably think that of themselves as well. I mean, you haven't murdered anyone. Not that uh, we know of yet. Um, you probably haven't sexually abused anyone. You haven't cheated on your spouse. And you probably haven't stolen anything. But have you gossiped about someone in the past month? Have you ever been unsatisfied with what God has given you? Is money constantly on your mind? And have your eyes wandered, maybe a bit too long, on someone who isn't your spouse? And by the way, I'm not just pointing the finger at anyone. Um, this applies to me as well. What about unforgiveness? Is there someone who did something to you and you just can't forgive them? Because Jesus tells us that we don't, if we don't forgive others, then we haven't understood what forgiveness is. We don't understand the forgiveness that we've received from God and maybe you truly haven't experienced salvation. Are you loving the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind and strength? Are you merciful to those who are suffering around us? Are you lazy? Are you foolish? Or do you think that your money is your money and not God's money? These are all sins. You know, something that I've realized is that the longer you've been a Christian and the more spiritually mature you are, you realize just how sinful you are. You know, C.S. Lewis uh, puts it this way. He says, when a man 
is getting better, he understands more and more clearly the evil that is still left in him. When a man is getting worse, he understands his own badness less and less. A moderately bad man knows he's not very good. A thoroughly bad man thinks he's all right. The problem with sin is that if it's left unchecked and hidden, it leads to more sin. And the Bible tells us that sin ultimately leads to death. It kills our marriages, our friendships, and our relationship with God. The only way to break that cycle is to live a life of continual repentance. If I'm honest, I've been guilty of some of these sins. I've been dissatisfied with what God has given me. I've gossiped about people. I haven't loved the Lord with all my heart, mind and strength. And there are times where he's taken the back seat. And it's been a long time since I've wept and been grieved over my sin. So as I was preparing this sermon, I had to spend some time with God and do a bit of soul searching and really ask the Holy Spirit to convict me of my sins. So, what is repentance and how do we repent? If we look at the Hebrew word used for repentance, it's teshuva. And it means to return or to turn about. So at its heart, repentance is about returning to Jesus. Turning away from our sinful ways and desires and realigning ourselves with God. It's about restoring the relationship with him so that we can have intimacy. If we look at the passage, we can see the process of repentance can be broken into four stages. First, God speaks truth. That's Paul's letter that he writes to the Corinthian church. Verse 9, there's contrition, which means God's people are grieved and remorseful of their sin. There's confession. Now, we don't know uh, if everyone confessed. But we can assume that they do admit their guilt, uh, their sin, because Paul hears about it and he's writing about it. And verse 10, restoration. God's people turn back to him and the relationship with God is restored. So let's just break this down a little bit further. So truth. The truth that I'm talking about is God's truth that reveals our sin. In the passage, Paul writes a letter rebuking the Corinthian church about their sin. He calls them out, in love by the way, because rebuking is always about love and wanting your brother or sister to become more like Jesus. And if you do love your brothers and sisters, then naturally there will be times where you'll have to rebuke them. If you see someone's sin and you care about them and love them, then as Christians we're called to do that. It's not good enough to be indifferent and just be like, oh, I don't know, I guess it's their problem. So the way we become aware of our sin is through the Word, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and the accountability of godly brothers and sisters around us. The problem is that the majority of us come to church and are only willing to be accountable for some parts of our lives. We get a bit uncomfortable with people knowing about certain parts of our lives. Generally, we're happy to talk about our daily walk with God, whether we've been praying, reading the Bible. 
But you can't ask me about my relationship with my girlfriend slash boyfriend slash spouse. That's off limits. Or I'll tell you about the unforgiveness and hatred in my heart, but I'm not going to share with you uh, my addictions. The challenge here, friends, is to ask the hard questions and to dig deeper and have a bit of intention when we meet each other. You know, those two pastors that I spoke to you about earlier, that could be any one of us. I'm sure that none of them imagined they would end up where they did. They may have had godly people around them, but they didn't have people around them that asked them the hard questions, like, what sin are you struggling with these days? What's happening in your thought life? If you call yourself a Christian, then not only should you be open to good counsel, but you should be actively seeking it. Contrition. What does that mean? It means showing remorse and grief for the sin you've committed. If we look at verse 9, it uses the word sorrowful. Some people think that repentance is just about apologizing. I'm sorry I did this, Lord. I'm sorry I committed that sin. But there's actually a lot more to it. And it's not about being sorry for being caught or sorry about the consequences. We need to make a distinction here. We grieve and have remorse because our sin is the reason why Jesus was crucified on the cross. We grieve because our sin damages the relationship that we have with God. Verse 10 points out the difference between godly sorrow and worldly sorrow. If we're sorry for the damage sin has on our relationship with God, then it leads us to repentance, life, and restored relationship with God. But with worldly sorrow, it means you're concerned about being caught, what others might think about you and and how it affects your reputation. You're more worried about the effect that it has on you and not your relationship with Jesus. Confession. You know, some of us have this incorrect idea that our relationship with God is just between yourselves and God. And therefore, when I sin, I don't need to involve anyone else. I just need to repent to God and not involve anyone in that process. It's just between me and God. But the Bible tells us otherwise. If we look at James chapter 5, verse 16, it says this, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So when we confess, we need to admit the sin in our minds and confess it with our mouths, both with God and godly counsel. And this goes back to the idea of truth and accountability. If you're married, then you need to be real with your spouse. When we lust when we're married... We need to seek forgiveness from them and God as well as we seek accountability from our spouses. And this applies to the single folk as well. You need godly people around you so that you can have accountability. Another thing about confession is the language you use. It's not simply about admitting something. Real repentance says, it it sounds like this, it says, I'm sorry, this is what I did, 
It was evil. It was sin. I hurt you. It dishonored the Lord. I was wrong. Lord, please have mercy on me and help me to turn back to you. Can you see the difference here? There's real remorse in that language and there's ownership of the sin. Restoration. Restoring your relationship with God is the reason we need to repent. It's not about justification. So Jesus has already died for our sins and given us salvation. If we use an analogy, it's one of a father and child. When a child wrongs a father, the identity is uh, unaffected. It's, it's secure. It's unchanged. But the relationship with the father and child is strained. It's damaged. Repenting is about restoring that relationship between us and God. I just want to be clear. Repenting doesn't save us, and we don't need to do it continually to be saved. But it's about mending that broken relationship. So how do we practically apply this to our lives? Well, number one, we need to know God's truth, his character, what offends him, what grieves him, and what breaks his heart. We need to spend some time reading the word and in prayer, asking the Holy Spirit to convict us of our sins. And we also need to seek feedback from godly counsel our godly brothers and sisters around us, people who will keep us sharp. And second, we need to be intentional when we meet in life groups or with our accountability uh, buddies. Now, obviously, you don't need to be asking every single day when you meet up with people, did you sin today? What sin did you commit today? Have you sinned again? Okay, but we need to ask regularly. And I'll be honest, it's going to be hard. It's not comfortable and it's not easy being open and vulnerable about your sins. But it's so powerful when you confess it with your mouth to someone other than uh, yourself in prayer. Because when you do, you're actually shining light into the dark. You're bringing out that sin into the light and exposing it. And we know where there is light, that darkness isn't there. There is one caveat as... um, With this, you obviously need to share with people that you trust. You can't just go around telling random people, okay? So this week, um, I challenge you to ask someone in your life group, what sin are you struggling with these days? And when that question is asked to you, I challenge you to be bold and to answer that honestly. So we're just going to spend some time in prayer and uh, reflection. So I ask if we could uh, close our eyes and bow bow our heads.